Thank you for downloading this sermon from Holy Trinity Reformed Church. If you live in the vicinity of Mooresville, Indiana, come join us as we rebuild Christ's Holy Church out of the ash heaps of American fundamentalism and evangelicalism through repentance, revival, and reformation. If you would like more information about Holy Trinity Reformed Church, or if you do not live in our area, but would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at reformedholytrinity.org. All right, we're back in John chapter 10 this morning, and sometimes it is easy to jump right back in. Um, sometimes it can be a little more difficult, depending upon what you're doing. Now, that's one of the uh, selfish reasons why I love preaching through a book of the Bible is because when it's time to quit, you can just quit and just pick right back up where you left off. And it makes it easier. Uh, topical messages can be a little bit more difficult, um, especially when you didn't quite accomplish that which you had intended And so we never really came to the conclusion last week that we wanted to come to. And so what that does is it makes it difficult not to re-preach what you preached last week to try to get to the conclusion you're wanting to get to, right? And so we'll try not to do that here this morning, and that is the reason why I am trying to make sure that even though I have adjusted everything from last week that um, I get to the place to pick back up where we should be picking up this morning. So we're going to begin reading in verse number one. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not, come to, uh, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it up from me, or no one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I have said, You are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true. Last week, we began looking at Jesus Christ, who is the true shepherd, the good shepherd, and the faithful shepherd. And this is a day and time in which we need to be able to recognize uh, the true shepherd and also to recognize the false shepherds. This is a day when we need to realize who the good shepherd is and to be able to identify who are the bad shepherds. It's a day and time when we need to understand that Jesus is the faithful shepherd and be able to recognize who the unfaithful shepherds are. We live in a day of confusion and deceit, along with a lot of other things, right, that we could throw in there. But it is a land of confusion, and it is a day in which much deception is being done in the name of Christ. And of course, Jesus told the first century Christians that that would happen even in their day, that there would come 
up many who would say that he was the Christ and deceive many. And so we have many today who are saying that he is the Christ and deceiving many. And so it's very important, especially as the darkness and the confusion grows throughout our land and throughout Western Christianity, as we see the fall and the complete uh, ruins of Western Christendom, it's very important that we are able to identify um, not only the true shepherd who is Jesus Christ, but also all the false shepherds who are actually proclaiming another Christ. But we proclaim the one who is called Jesus as revealed in the word of God and who is manifested in the flesh. And so there are many others, though, who are professing a Christ of their own imagination, of their own desires and their own preferences, rather than relying upon the word, the written word and the word that was made flesh. For Jesus is the word that abides forever. And so our trust should be upon that word that has been revealed to us and not the word of those who are come, who have come, saying that they are speaking for God, but in fact are not. They are speaking for themselves. So basically, it's a statement here that there are false teachers, there are false prophets, and this has been true. Now, we looked last week and we understood that Jesus is the door, that Jesus is the shepherd, that the church is the sheepfold, that the sheep are those who follow the shepherd, that there are thieves and robbers, and these thieves and robbers are those who are attempting to enter without going through Christ, or they are even proclaiming a message of trying to get people to enter another way except through the door. Then there are wolves who are attempting to actually kill the sheep. And there are strangers, which are those who do not belong to the sheepfold. And then there are hirelings, those who are supposed to shepherd the sheep. That's what they've been hired to do. But they do not love the shepherd and they do not love the sheep. But they're only in it as long as they receive certain benefits, as long as they have certain advantages. But when the wolf comes, they forsake the sheep and flee, leaving them to be eaten alive. So we started, before we had to conclude, we started talking about false shepherds, that there is this thing called false shepherds. We are warned in uh, the epistle of Peter, he is warning that there were also false teachers and false prophets in the Old Testament, uh, which we read about in the book of Jeremiah and many of the other prophetic books, and that just as there were false prophets among them, Peter said, there will be false prophets among you. Those who come in to deceive the sheep, those who come in to devour and to destroy the sheep. And we are living in a day and time when this has, in comparison to recent history, has reached an epidemic level. It is completely epidemic. It has gotten to the point, and I'm going to be candid and honest, it has gotten to the point that I hardly listen to very few people. 
Now, there's a context to that. I'm talking about nationally known people. The people I listen to, nobody knows who they are. They're not famous. They don't have a lot of money. They're not driving fancy cars. They don't have slick back hair and alligator shoes and shark uh, skin suits. No. They're poor and they are rejected. And then there are those that I listen to who are dead. And that's who I listen to the most. Those who are dead. Now, there's some advantage to that, too, you know, right? Um, Whatever is done is done. You don't have to worry about whether the guy, you know, you you don't have to worry about whether Charles Spurgeon's going to run off with the secretary or not. Because he's dead, and he didn't. So, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Um, But that's kind of the day and age which we live in. And we don't want to be skeptical because we have a problem with skepticism today in a bad sense, but we need to be skeptical in this regard, uh, skeptical, skeptical of anything that is not, first of all, grounded in the word of God and, not ha- and that has not been historically accepted by the church. We need to be very skeptical because there are a lot of deceivers. But the reason why there are a lot of deceivers, this is the thing that we don't always understand and realize. Because we're all victims, right? Everybody's a victim nowadays. And everything that happens, we're victims, which we're not. But that's how we try to characterize it. I guarantee you, the overwhelming majority of any conversation about anything will always be in a context of the one who is speaking as being the victim. Because we think that we are the victims. And so, so we think that when you have false teachers and false prophets, it's like, oh, well, we didn't know, and all this kind of stuff. We're the victims. And, and, but the Bible says that the reason why you have these false teachers is that the people will start having itching ears, and they want them to be scratched. And they will find for themselves teachers who will do it. That's the reason why we have false prophets, false teachers, and so forth. Because it's what the people want. It's like people, like priests. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the easiest way um, to get rid of uh, the good teachers is to ignore them, right? Right? To reject them. And the reason why we have the rise of the false ones is because those are the ones that we accept and those are the ones that we listen to. But this was a warning by Jeremiah to the people of Israel in his day concerning false prophets. And, of course, uh, he was a true prophet of God, but he was rejected uh, by the people and he was rejected by the leaders. Uh, Even ended up spending time in prison. And that's always the danger. But that's also the way to identify who the true are. Whenever you have um, the domination of wickedness and rebellion against God, 
you will typically find the good ones in trouble uh, from the authorities, right? That's why Jesus was always in trouble with the authorities. Um, because they want to make sure that uh, the people uh, do not grab on uh, to that, lest they lose their place, their rank, and their station, and their wealth, and their riches. Um, so, Jeremiah was warning about the false prophets in his day and time, and we began looking at some of those statements concerning uh, false prophets in the Old Testament, how that they walked according to the imagination of their own heart and proclaimed that no evil would come upon them or upon the people. And they were crying out, peace, peace, when there is no peace, right? And such is true today. First of all, if there is not a proclamation coming that Man is dead and trespasses and sins. And if he doesn't repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, God will cast him out of his presence forever. That God will bring eternal damnation upon them. You know, but we have a lot of people saying, peace, peace. You're okay. I'm okay. Everybody's okay. You don't have anything to worry about. Fear, oh, that's a terrible word. That's a bad word. Uh, It shouldn't be fear of God. It should be all about love. Well, you can never get to the love of God without first going through the fear of God. And it's the same way with the gospel. You can't get to the good news of the gospel lest you tread through the total depravity of man. And so we have a lot of people wanting to say everything is fine, everything is dandy, and you're okay, and I'm okay, we're all okay. And then even in the midst of our apostasy, rebellion, apathy, and all the terrible things that are going on right now in Western Christendom, acting and proclaiming as if everything is going to be fine, and we're going to come through this unscathed, and we'll be just as healthy, wealthy, and prosperous as we've ever been, when that's a lie. Destruction is coming upon us, and I will say destruction is upon us. God's judgment, his hand of judgment is what is upon us right now. We're receiving cursings, not blessings. But false prophets will always tell everybody they're okay. Don't worry about Nebuchadnezzar. Don't worry about the Babylonians. We can take care of them when they show up. Just... Wave the red, white, and blue. Nobody is a match for us. Well, we see it didn't quite work out that way, and it never has worked out that way, because God's word is true. And so, if we're not walking in obedience to him, we will receive curses, not blessings. We're also warned about this all throughout the New Testament. Paul warns about those in Romans 16 where he says, concerning false teachers and false leaders, he says, they are such that do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a big word there, serve. Um, But he says they serve their own belly. They're in it for the money. They serve their own belly. And because they're serving their own belly, 
He says, by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Why? Because that's how you get the money. You don't get the money by saying, hey, if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. You don't get the money by saying that God's judgment is going to fall upon us if we don't turn back to the one true and the living God. No, it's good words. Fair speeches. My favorite, one of my favorite stories is King Ahab. So King Jehoshaphat from the southern tribes of Israel is seeking to come into alliance with the northern tribes. King Ahab's trying to talk him into it because King Ahab's wanting to make war and he's wanting Jehoshaphat to join forces with him because Ahab's worried about losing. And so he's wanting Jehoshaphat to join with him. So Jehoshaphat's like, well, can't we inquire of the Lord, don't you have any uh, prophets that we may inquire of the Lord to see whether or not we should go forth into battle? And he brings all these false prophets out, telling Jehoshaphat, "Yes, go. The Lord will be with you, and you'll conquer all of your enemies." And blah blah blah. And uh, Jehoshaphat's not buying what they're selling, and so he's like, "Ahab, don't you have a prophet of?" Jehovah, a true prophet. And Ahab's like, well, there's this one guy, but I hate him. And you know why Ahab said that he hated him? Because he never says anything nice to me. Oh, yeah, that's today. That's the day we're living in, right? The day you, the gospel is, you just have to be nice, right? Um, you know, there are a lot of things that I didn't like about the previous administration. But the last thing I was worried about, the thing I was not worried about, that everybody was in such an uproar about, is that of all those mean tweets, he never says anything nice to us. Wow. But anyway, Ahab's like, yeah, he never says anything good to me. Well, there's a reason, King Ahab, is because you're in rebellion against God and you won't humble yourself before the Lord and repent and turn to him. That's the reason why, you know, there's nothing nice to be said. But these false prophets are always good words and fair speeches. And we're like, oh, I like that because it makes me feel good. Good words, fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. You know, there have been, how many times have we heard, and we do this with, um, we used to do it, um, people still do it. I mean, it's getting harder to nowadays, but but there, there was one time where, you know, you was trying to present the best image that you could because so many people will vote with with their eyes and their ears Not ears as in hearing truth, but ears as in hearing something that sounds sweet and nice to them. And they will vote that way, you know. Oh, he's just so good looking. I remember when, and I know, I mean, I'm still shocked by it. But I was, I mean, I'm shocked by it in two ways. First of all, that you would vote based upon this criteria. But I remember people talking about Bill Clinton and voting for him because he was so handsome. First of all, He's handsome? <laughs> that, that was my first question. 
you know, it's like, okay, well, whatever floats your boat, I guess. But, um, but we, we, are, we go for what's appealing. You know, there's a reason why there's the whole idea and concept of the sex symbol. And so we go for what is appealing. And so that has happened a lot of times in the church. We listen to that guy because, oh, he looks so good. He is so handsome. His voice is so soothing. Fair speeches, good words, deceive the hearts of the simple. And then Paul says, and we shouldn't be shocked about these false apostles and these deceitful workers who transformed themselves into the apostle of Christ. He says there's no marvel about it. There's no mystery about it. We should understand because Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if the ministers of Satan also appear in a very appealing manner. But they might deceive people into believing that they're ministers of righteousness, but Paul said that their end shall be according to their works, which is not righteous. This is why Jesus also warned to beware of false prophets. He said, who will come to you in sheep's clothing. They will appear to be one way when they're really not. But inwardly, they're ravening wolves. Of course, one of our problems in relation to some of these things is our false ideal of what a sheep should look like and, and what these things should appear as. But Jesus is also giving us this warning, this deception that takes place. The reason, listen, people who have a deceptive message will use any means of deception. And so we were warned in the New Testament that there will be false teachers among us who, Peter says, who will privately bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. And so knowing this, it ought to cause us to be cautious, investigative, um, to make sure that that has not happened. Because I will um, attest to this, that it did, in Western civilization, it did rapidly happen in the 1800s and then in the 1900s where there have been damnable heresies that have been brought in and that's causing us to receive this swift destruction that we are currently involved in. So John tells us not to believe every spirit but to try the spirits to see whether they are of God because that should be our criteria. We want to know what is of God. And so the true reveals the false, right? Uh, Peter spends a whole chapter in Second Peter chapter 2 dealing with the false and counterfeits. And counterfeits are discovered by how? Recognizing what is true. So you, if, once you are able to recognize and know that you have a, a true currency, like the American dollar, so if we had a $100 bill, 
The way that we'd be able to identify the counterfeit is by knowing what is true. And anything that does not perfectly match that which is true, we know to be counterfeit. So the true is the standard by which all are measured, whether it is money or anything else. And so the true shepherd reveals the false shepherds. The good shepherd reveals the bad shepherd. So what is true? Well, Jesus said, most assuredly in verse number one, I say to you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So here there's being depicted that which is not true are thieves and robbers. Well, what is true? He who enters the right way. So he who enters by the door, by the way of God, according to God's decree and plan, he is the shepherd of the sheep, and the doorkeeper opens the door to him, and then the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings his own, out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. But... Jesus says, the true sheep, the sheep, will not follow a stranger, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And then he repeats again this aspect of him being the door of the sheep and everyone else who is seeking to enter some other way except through the true door except through Jesus Christ, are thieves and robbers. And then we see what is good later on in verse 11. And what we see that is good is that he, the shepherd, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. He gathers sheep. He does not scatter and devour sheep but he lays down his life for their protection and for their safety. And then what is faithful, we see in verses 25 through 30. And he is faithful because he is leading them. He's faithful in that they will never perish. He is faithful in that he will never allow them to be snatched out of his hand. And so, we understand that he is the true by which everything else must be measured. But, in trying to understand and be able to recognize the distinction between this, we hear the warnings from Jeremiah who said, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and they walked after things which do not profit. Jeremiah also said that the pastors had become brutish. They have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all of their flocks shall be scattered. So when we look at the demise of Western Christendom, Are we seeing sheep scattered or sheep gathered? Well, 
then we can make a judgment on that which has been in leading us to where we are now in recent times has scattered the sheep. One of the things that we see in the Reformation was the gathering of the sheep and the work that carried forth from the Great Reformation in gathering sheep throughout the whole world and basically turning the world upside down for Christ just like the apostles did in the first century. But what have we seen with 1900s Christianity? We have seen the complete scattering of sheep, the tearing down of the walls, the complete elimination of that which had been built because we rejected it we said it wasn't true we cursed those who had built western christendom and now we have no christendom many pastors have destroyed my vineyard says the lord in jeremiah 12:10 They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Jeremiah 22. Or excuse me, Jeremiah 23 and verse 1. Then there's this woe pronounced unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of his pasture. But there is a promise contained within all these warnings in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. In Jeremiah 23, 4, and I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21, we find something similar. Where it says, then your ears shall hear a word behind you. This identifies who those true shepherds are, those true pastors. He says, this is how you can recognize it because you will hear a word behind you. When all this destruction, all this desolation, all this scattering is taking place and you'll hear this word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And you will turn to your right hand when you turn to the left. And then in Ezekiel 34, verse 23, the promise is that I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and shall be their shepherd. Of course, that was in uh, a messianic prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. And then in the New Testament, we read various aspects concerning true shepherds, like Paul and Titus. And Paul says to Titus, This is the reason why I left you in Crete, that you would set in order the things that are lacking. So as we think upon this true and this false, we first of all understand that there is one true shepherd, one way of entrance, one door. And so the true under-shepherds, the true Pastors will point the sheep to Christ and not himself, just as Paul did in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 when he says, Follow me as I follow Christ. Which is the same as saying, Don't follow me if I don't follow Christ. This is what 
the good shepherd would have. Because the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, came unto those who were going astray. Remember his parable about the one sheep that went astray and he left the ninety and nine? Well, we are told in 1 Peter 2, 25, For you were as sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And we know that in Christ he is a gatherer of sheep. The prophecy in Isaiah 40, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. You see, true shepherds gather sheep. True shepherds feed sheep. True shepherds tend the sheep. True shepherds go before the sheep. They lead the sheep, and the sheep follow them. This is how you know true shepherds. They go, they follow Christ. This is how you know true sheep. They follow Not because they like the pastor or elder, but because they hear the voice of the true shepherd. See, the true shepherd, the true pastors go before. You drive away wolves. You lead sheep. Sheep follow shepherds. Wolves do not follow. They come to devour And so we see here that we have this promise that Jesus, the good shepherd, will lead his sheep. And this is what we find in Ephesians chapter 4, and that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth should be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ." One of the problems that we have today is as we have dismantled the church, we have this incapability of recognizing who the true pastors and who the false pastors are. The true pastors are found within the sheep or within the sheepfold to lead, to tend, to feed. And those outside voices calling us unto themselves are there to scatter. All the talking heads that we see, they're not there to feed the sheep, to tend the sheep, to work in the sheepfold, to deal with the mire and the muck and the stench. They're there to call you away. So that you can somehow benefit them. Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. And you can recognize true shepherds. And you can recognize true brethren. 
when they are willing to lay down their lives for their friends. This is what Jesus, the true shepherd, did for us. Father, we pray that you would help us not to be confused with all the voices and with all the shiny things and the flashy things and the pretty things that are bombarding us from every direction. Lord, may we seek to find that which is true and that which is eternal. And that which is for the benefit of the sheepfold and the sheep. To recognize that which gives life and gives it more abundantly. Which comes only through Jesus Christ who is our true shepherd. May we ever follow him. And be faithful to him. May we hear the sound of his voice. And know that he is the true shepherd. For we know that that's what identifies us as the true sheep. What identifies us as the true sheep. Is whether or not we are following the true shepherd. We pray. Lord that. We would be. Followers of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.